this is John with Ubaldi Reports. We're doing our live show on TikTok. We're just trying to get this thing really set up. So I'm just going to talk. If you have any questions, please put it on TikTok and we'll, hey, we'll answer your questions. So we're going to be talking about Russia and and spend a lot more time on crime across America. That seems to be a big issue is in all the major metropolitan areas, especially California, where you have this snatch and grabs throughout the state in San Francisco and Los Angeles particularly. You see the high crime rate in Minneapolis, definitely in Philadelphia, New York City, and other places. So that's going to be – and we're going to talk about what's causing it, what are some of the solutions – but this is a big issue, and it's going to put Democrats in a bind because, as we'll say throughout the podcast, President Biden and his press secretary, Jen Psaki, keeps blaming it's the pandemic that's causing this and not looking at their own culpability of what they did with bail reform, you know, no cash bail, and letting people out, especially in California, passing Prop 47 which pretty much downgraded felony from it used to be $500 or higher it would be a felony now they moved it up to i think it's like 950 or 975 so anything below that it's a misdemeanor and the police really aren't going to come so you're getting away with murder so you can go to like a Best Buy walk out with a LED screen can you a, still gas i mean that might be well, the Well gas is a little harder because you got to Put something. You got to put a card in. Not necessarily. Uh, yeah, I guess so. But you can go to a Best Buy, and you can walk out the door with a TV. I mean, it almost seems like I don't know if we should be saying this on the podcast or now, but it just seems like California is alienating them. So, okay. Well, they are. All right, let me check TikTok. Jimmy said we sound good. So just bear with us. So there's that beautiful Ubaldi right there. All right, let's get it going. Lewis Justice just joined. Craig Wave just joined. A lot so, of people are. Hey, we got six viewers. So can you see what what's what's? I could see who's viewing us. Like, can you see messages? No. Well, actually, yeah, I could see messages, but I don't know if they want to go in live. Well, that's uh, fine. But, I mean, just read them because I can't read it. It's too far from even when I had my glasses on. It's just they're reading glasses, not distance glasses. Yeah. So so let's hit it. Okay. So we are going to start recording in three, two. Hey, everybody. It's John at Ubaldi Reports. Again, I'm with Joe Bitts, a good friend of mine and fellow Marine combat vet who has a purple heart from Afghanistan. There's a lot to talk about, especially with this administration. It was Iraq. Iraq. I'm sorry. Iraq. Wrong country. Eh. It's close. But there's a lot to talk about, especially with this administration. And two of the biggest topics that we have is yesterday, This it's Wednesday, but on Tuesday, President on December 7th, President did a virtual meeting with Vladimir Putin, the Russian president, because Russia has amassed... 177,000 troops on its border with Ukraine. Mm-hmm. And there's speculation from our military and intelligence of, um, community believing that Vladimir Putin intends to invade Ukraine to pre- really to prevent that country from going further to the West. 
So President Biden met with Vladimir Putin and emphatically told him there's going to be consequences. And the one thing that we didn't do in 2014 when Putin sent Russian troops into the Crimea that we would remove with our Western partners, that we would remove Russia from all of the Western international financing, you know, banking system, which would put a big crimp on Russia to finance some of their things, some of their oligarchs to be able to access their money. So we'll have to see how that plays out. So before we kind of go into like the meat of this show, I do want to discuss because I did, I sent you two things or uh, one of them was that, you know, the media, they're just as hard on president Biden as they were in Trump. All I can say is that is a bunch of horse crap. Yeah, they're eating their own, they're eating their their own garbage. Now. Nobody with a half a brain, if you just watch any press conferences, realizes the media has anywhere been as harsh on Trump. I mean, harsh on Biden as they were on Trump. I mean, just look at the Afghan debacle. It's been out of the news. They're not even covering it. Do you think the media the media hasn't covered Hunter Biden? No. If that would have been Don Jr., they look how the media handled the Kyle Rittenhouse story. They got that wrong. Uh, no, it's just it's it's been an adversarial relationship. They played activist journalist with Donald Trump, and they allowed Joe Biden to get away with murder. Even he allow they even allow him to get away with not being able to ask any questions. He doesn't sit down with the top uh, political reporters. He goes to local news where they know it's going to be an easier interview. So, And then another thing, which I find kind of find weird, is that so we're still in the midst of Omicron, which I don't think it's like a – it's just a really severe cold. And – so it's basically a big severe cold, but now Pfizer comes out and they're like, "Hey, you know those two shots you got? Yeah, they're not going to work as good against Omicron as our booster." So, hey, go get the booster. <laughs> and I just now I think they're now I think they're just kind of like they're really they're really like throwing it in our face, like, "Oh, these 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 suckers who already got their vaccines and this new variant is going to really freak them out." So why don't we just like throw out some more boosters? Let's get more shots. Let's kind of maybe look at something real quick before we go. How is Pfizer or maybe the, let's just say, how are the vaccine companies making money? Because yeah. if, are they? Yes, they are making money. Because the government's buying their, but oh, they're yeah. giving it to us for free. So they're not getting the, the the, the pharmaceutical can do this is the generosity of their own heart. Mm-hmm. They're making money off this stuff. Yeah, the government's our government's kind of like forking over some cash. Yeah. Okay. And but what, so is there like a threshold? Like would they say you have to get so many out before or that? I don't know. I'm sure there is a threshold, but I don't have that information in front of me to say that. Yeah. I just think it was first. It was. Get these two shots, you'll be back to normal. Mm-hmm. Then it says get the shots, but you got to wear a mask and self distance. Now it's you got to get a booster, and it's like there's inconsistency in the message. And then when the president says self, you know, self ice, you know, got to isolate, you got to you know social distance, you got to wear a mask, whether inside or out. 
And then over Thanksgiving weekend, where do they see him at? In the Nantucket in a, in a shop that clearly has a sign saying all patrons must wear a mask upon entering. Mm-hmm. And then he's coughing all over the place. And shaking people's hands without... And he was sick, too, wasn't he? Yeah, I, I don't I don't get it. And then the other thing is, with all this this um, mask wearing, you go to a grocery store, mm-hmm. you touch everything that everybody else has touched, you put it on the conveyor belt, the clerk touches it, and you're behind this plexiglass, and then the bagger touches it yeah. and puts it into a bag. So you got about a five or six people in that whole process touching it. Mm-hmm. And we're wearing a mask is going to solve this? No. It's just... And then you've got the, the federal courts have really overruled President Biden on the va- the vaccine mandates. Yeah. Because of, they said that he doesn't have the authority mm-hmm. because he can't make a law and then enforce his own law. Okay. What, he's, what they were saying is that's up to Congress. Just because we have a pandemic doesn't mean the Constitution is put in a drawer. Yeah. And that's what, and that's like on a lot of other issues, immigration, the the rental moratorium. He even said it months ago. He doesn't have the constitutional authority, but he did it anyway, thinking it'll take months and then we'll have a better plan. So he's he's willfully and knowingly violating the Constitution. Well, he has zero Constitution on, on a lot of things, and he just does whatever he wants. And I really find that if, you know, our our past president decided to do that, that wouldn't have, that would well, but definitely have not have flown. Well, that's just like the Democrats. They, they, Joe Biden took the coward's way out and he didn't have, he, he had a um, Supreme Court alteration committee. Mm-hmm. And what they, they didn't come with any firm recommendation. They just came with everything. And what that meant is the, the Democrats want to pack the court yeah. because Donald Trump was allowed to select three individuals. They don't like the fact that the Republicans have more a bigger majority than they do. So we got to change the rules mm-hmm. to, so we get the thing. That's just like Sotomayor when it came to the oral arguments regarding abortion, the, ten, the Mississippi abortion law. Yep. And Jonathan Turley, the constitutional scholar from George Washington, called her out on that. And what she said, it was be irre- we call it the stench if you overturned a prior precedent, meaning you overturned the precedent of Roe versus Wade. Yeah. But she doesn't have they don't have any problem when you overturn conservative rulings. That's fine. But you can't overturn a precedent of a past uh, court. Now, that kind of flies in the face where. Plessy versus Ferguson, which was the separate but equal regarding African-Americans and like education as a, as a starter, you have to have you can have separate. But as long as it was equal, which is never was equal. And that was in 1898. And that's was overturned by Topeka, Kansas versus the Board of Education mm-hmm. in 1954. And other things were overturned. Because it, it found out it was just not a great piece of judicial um, jurisprudence. Yeah. But it's just funny that they they admonish the other side, but they look at they don't look at their own side. It's like the Democrats are always talking about this is a threat to democracy. That's a threat to democracy. But they don't look at their own side as doing it far worse 
than anything Donald Trump ever dreamed of doing. Mm-hmm. So, so you want to talk about crime? Well, is it is it just like kind of is it just getting to that point where it's kind of getting uh, out of hand? Well, it is getting out of hand. You have these organized gangs going into these stores, like in San Francisco, Los Angeles, and up and down the state of California and other cities. They go in, smash and grab, and grab their stuff. Yeah. And then they found out that they can sell this very cheaply on eBay and other things. So that seems to be looked at. But the other thing is you have these very liberal, progressive prosecutors who are acting more as defense attorneys than prosecutors. They're not prosecuting anybody. Like in Los Angeles, 14 of the, the looters or the, the smash-and-grab robbers were arrested, but they were shortly they're released. Mm-hmm. Even the um, – I just saw today, you know, coming off work, someone had climbed and burned the Christmas tree at the Fox News headquarters in New York City. Okay. Well, they, they captured the guy. They arrested the guy. He's like in his 40s. There was a defense attorney, I mean, a, a former district attorney said they're not going to prosecute him because it doesn't meet that version of a felony. But he committed arson. But it doesn't matter. Is that they determine what constitutes a felony, a high bar for a felony. So they release them. It's just like in California, they passed in 2014, AB, was it AB 47? which is Assembly Bill 47, which virtually downgraded a felony. Now, felony was anything over $500. Well, now they moved it up from $500, I think, to nine seventy-five. Mm-hmm. So you can basically go into a Best Buy, Target, Walmart, well, not Walmart, yeah, Best Buy, Target, Walmart, and you can go to the electronic section, get an LED screen or a television, as long as it was below the 975 threshold, put it on the cart and walk out the door. Police aren't coming. It's just a misdemeanor, and they're not going to come for misdemeanor shoplifting. No. Because all they're going to do is waste their time, and they're going to be released. Now, I was watching the news segment today. The district attorney, and I can't think of his name, Gascon is his last name. He's in Los Angeles, and he b- keeps blaming the you know income inequality for the crime. Well, okay, let's look at that. California has the highest income inequality of any state in the union. They also have one of the poorest educational opportunity for the ethnic minorities. Yeah. There's one high school, and I wish I could remember the name, in California where only 8% of African Americans are proficient at grade level in math and English. But he doesn't talk about that. It's it, To me, it's just white, woke progressiveness pushing an ideology that is not based in reality or not based in, in fact. But you came up with a point where you're starting to the only the only now that's starting to get out of hand because of why. Well, the reason it's getting out of hand is when it was consigned to the lower income areas. Oh, it's not my community. Well, just the last week or two. One, you had a prominent composer and philanthropist in Beverly Hills. His wife was shot and killed by a career criminal. And then in Pacific Palisades, which is a very upscale um, neighborhood in Los Angeles County, they a part of, it was a, a party and some criminals came in and robbed everybody at gunpoint. Mm-hmm. But it was one thing when it was everywhere else. 
But now it's affecting these wealthy areas. Then you had these snatch and grabs at Louis Vuitton, Nordstrom's, these high-end stores. Yeah. So you And I've talked to people out in California, one in Sacramento, the other one in the southern part of California by um, you know, Oceanside, San Clemente, which is near Camp Pendleton, the military base. And they said it's chaotic out there. The one in Sacramento said the downtown, everybody's boarded everything up yeah. because they're afraid of getting looted. So, but you're, when you allow that criminal element to go, and now look, take the vice president. Mm-hmm. Last year, when she was then senator, when you had all the riots going on in across the country, but especially in Minneapolis, she told people to go on her Twitter feed to go to this bail fund that they would bail these rioters out. Yeah. So, what's the incentive? And then you see, I mean, if you're a female. There's two females in New York were hospitalized because some criminal hit them. Mm-hmm. So if you're the elderly or the or a, or a woman, you don't feel safe walking out. So right now it's at a state level. I mean the I mean the the government can't really do much in order to kind of kick it in. I mean, wouldn't we just want to see California just in a sense, eat itself and just let it go away? Well, it is a state issue. The federal government can help with some resources for the law enforcement. But the problem is this is bigger than just law enforcement. Mm -hmm. If you remember when the Dallas police um, shooting, I think it was in 2014 or 2015 when there were five police officers ambushed. Yeah. And the, the Dallas police chief, who's now the police chief in Chicago, stated you want the police to do everything, counselors, therapists, you know, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But the bigger issue is if you look at these communities, and I know I've said this till you're probably blue in the face on this, is if you look at the educational disparity, yeah, those that is like in California, I know I keep mentioning California because I'm from there and it's the largest state, but mm-hmm. look what happened in September, when they had the the gubernatorial recall, which Gavin Newsom won or held out against Larry Elder, who's African-American. Yeah. Larry Elder went to the worst high school in California, if not the United States. Mm-hmm. Gavin Newsom went to the wealthiest high schools, and he was a, the product of privilege. Okay. But yet the New York, the Los Angeles Times classified Larry Elder, who's black, as the black face of white supremacy. <laughs> but then you look at Los Angeles where less than 20, 20% or 25% of blacks and Hispanics are proficient in math and English. Mm-hmm. So the reason I go to those other issues is because my father only had a fifth grade education. And he knew that the way to get out of poverty is a solid education. Yeah, But we don't see that. And with these progressive Democratic uh, elites, Mm -hmm. like remember Glenn Youngkin when he ran for governor and won in Virginia? Well, Terry McAuliffe, all his kids but one went to a private school. His wife was on the board of that private school determining what what quality of education his children get. Mm -hmm. But then he's espousing in September of this year that parents have no should have no say in what is being taught their children. Yeah. So so you got that. Then you have to look at the family dynamic, the the disintegration of the, the core family. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm a little older than you. Not by much, but just a little bit. <laughs> but here's an example. When I was a kid, 
it wasn't seen as a good thing or you didn't brag that you lived with your girlfriend mm-hmm. or your boyfriend. You just didn't do that. But was prog- but, but progression, I mean, is something we can kind of get behind. On well, that. yeah, but, but, but think about it. When I, was a, when I went to grades or go through school, all my friends and most of my classmates came from a two-parent family. Now, most it's almost an aberration. Like your children are an aberration because they come from a two-parent family. Yeah. So, you know, Daniel Patrick Moynihan, he was a very liberal senator from New York. But in the mid-60s, he worked at the Labor Department under Lyndon Johnson. Mm-hmm. And he wrote a, a paper called – it's different words that we wouldn't use today. Yeah. But he, they called this was like something like Negro in the ghetto or something like that. Yeah. And what he was talking about is the federal policy is going to destroy the the family unit in the inner city. Mm-hmm. And he looked at that in 1960, this is the heart of Jim Crow, 70% of African Americans came from a two-parent family. Yeah. Today, today it's 70% come from a single parent. Mm-hmm. And... It's 70% in the African-American, about 50% in Hispanic, and 30% in the, the white communities. Mm-hmm. So I've got two friends. They struggle to make ends meet as a single parent. And the, the, the fathers of their children aren't really in the picture, yeah. one in particular. So how do those kids grow up without a fatherly influence? Why didn't my father want me? I mean, so... Those have to play in, and federal policy and the progressive policy doesn't address that. You have to address that. Shouldn't there be, like, maybe an incentive of being a family? Well, a lot of it, there should be, but a lot of the society has to look at, like, to me, and I may be old school, I looked, I mean, I don't have a family, I don't have any kids, but I look down upon somebody if you fathered a child and then you don't take care of that child. Okay. I look at you like you're scum. Yeah, you I'm, wanted to do that. You wanted to have sex. Well, now you got to face the responsibility. And I had a, a Marine whose um, ex-boyfriend wasn't doing his fair share of pain his, his support for this child. So I called his senior enlisted, and I told him, I go, listen, I've been through this, and I know all the tricks. And I told him, hey, devil dog, and this common term that we use for Marines, but I go, hey, Marine, it's not your responsibility, my responsibility, or the government's responsibility. Whatever those two decided to have sex. Now, whatever he has against the mother, that's between them. Mm -hmm. But a child resulted in that. Man up and do your job. Yeah, It's not my responsibility or the government's to come in and provide for that child. That's your child. Mm-hmm. You do it. So those we need to look at a comprehensive. But the other point is getting back to the original. We need to be tough on this stuff. And it starts at an early age. You If you cross the line, you need to be punished for it. Yeah. Because if you don't, they just get bigger. And it's like a child. Like you, I've seen the way you parent your kids. Mm-hmm. If your children get out of line, you don't just let it go because the next time it's going to be bigger than the first time. Yeah. It's kind of like, and it's, you know, but they always, 
There's a testing of the waters. Well, there is, but the, what they do is you're, I've seen your kids test you guys. Yeah. But you and your wife are like the a wall. You yeah. just, okay, you don't allow them to get away with something. No. You, I mean, you don't go over. I've never seen you get up there and just smack your kids. Well, because there's people at the house, John. Yeah, that's it. That's it. <laughs> but you and your wife discipline. And discipline does not mean beating your kids. It's providing guidance. So like your daughter is what, five? Yes. So she's going to want things that a five-year-old wants. What is she if she gives in now? What is your daughter going to want when she's nine? Like you've got a twenty-two-year-old daughter. Mm-hmm. So if you gave in to your daughter at five, nine, sixteen, what is your daughter going to want now that she's twenty-two? Yeah. So it's the same thing with crime. If you don't squash it, but if you don't put strong parents mm-hmm. and communities. I remember when we were kids, we were out with a group of friends and we did something we weren't supposed to do. Mm-hmm. By the time we got home, it could be more than 45 minutes. It was like a network. Yeah. And my dad just tore into us. But there was a consequence. We didn't do that again. Yeah. So, and the thing is, I was like, I guess you know they, the the way they're structuring how crime is more of a, I guess a, a race issue. Well, is that I mean, is that what they're projecting? Because they're because the reason why they don't set a bail or they don't arrest somebody is because maybe that person can't afford bail and that's because of their ethnicity. Ethnicity. Well, the, oh my god, ethnicity. Eth- ethnicity. Oh. Well, the, the uh, President Biden, when Jen Psaki a couple of days ago or last week asked, with all these looting going on or all these snatch and grabs, she blamed the pandemic. Yeah. Now, uh, the attorney, the uh, district attorney in Los Angeles blames income inequality mm-hmm. and the disparities, but they have the biggest disparity there. Yeah. So now at the federal level, and I have to research this, the federal level is they base bail on can you appear in court? Are you a violent person? Like the person who was it, Daryl Brooks, yeah. Winosha, Wisconsin, who ran over those six indiv- uh, those people in that, that SUV crash. Okay. He killed six, including a child. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he never should have been given bail because he had a repeat history of violence. Mm-hmm. Give more discretion to the judges. If they know that the person's going to come back, okay, I got it. Yeah. But if they know this person has a repeat history of violence, you're not getting out. No. And that's what they need. But what they're doing is they're just letting everybody out. Like the situations I mentioned, these snatch and grabs. Yeah. They get them, they arrest them, and they just let them go. What incentive does that show? Like zero. And then you had... Well, actually, no. The incentive is is that I can do whatever I want, and I'm not going to get in trouble for it now. And you, then, you kind of like reverse the incentive. Yeah. Then there... Oh, then there was Lori Lightfoot of the, the mayor of Chicago, the Democratic. She blamed the shop owners. She goes, well, they need to do a better job of providing for this. So you're putting the blame on the owner of a business when people come in and... So wait, 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 she's blaming them for not providing enough security, security or oh, okay. not protection. So she's blame. She doesn't blame the criminal. She's blame. And now you've seen some like 
these, these liberal governors, and they're like, okay, maybe we're going to hold these people responsible. No, they're not. Well, then I guess so what Lori Lightfoot's doing is, in a sense is like I have a plate full of cookies, and it's my fault that the kids ate them, not that I instilled enough discipline in letting them know that they shouldn't have eaten the cookies. Oh, yeah, or like – or. If you're in like if you're like in San Francisco, you left something in your car and someone breaks your window and steals it. Well, it's your fault for leaving that in your car mm-hmm. instead of blaming the criminal for stealing it. Yeah, I mean it's just it's an insanity, but it's it's not safe, and that's why when it comes to background checks on on firearms, majority of them are now are females. Yeah, because they know the police aren't coming like the whole Kyle Rittenhouse case. It probably never would have happened if the police weren't told to stand down. But once they were, you start to realize you're on your own. So people are going to do this and arm and protect themselves. They know the police aren't coming. Who's going to do it? You're just going to stand there where the criminals attack you and inflict bodily harm or potentially kill you. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. That's what I'm going to do. Not going to do that. Yeah. But it's just the the Democrats have to get ahead of this. Otherwise, and so far they're behind this because the public is going to blame them. Yeah. Well, I mean, but like I said, maybe the problem is kind of taking care of itself uh, for like my from my perspective. Okay, so you have a city that's rampant in crime. People will move out of the city and then you'll just have just a city full of criminals. And then, you know, then it kind of just eats itself versus, you know, stepping in there. I mean, these... But not everybody is able to move out. You're giving up these communities to the criminal gangs and the criminal element. Do you know how much rent is in New York City? (laughs) But not... What about those who live in the very inner cities of New York or San Francisco or Los Angeles? Mm -hmm. They may not be able to move out. Hey, I told you Nancy was moving over here to Florida. Yeah, she's right? moving to Naples, Florida. Or what about somebody who's on a fixed income? They can't. They're they're kind of stuck in where they're they're living accommodation, so they're stuck. Well, I, I think there's a lot of programs out there that are available, just they don't know about them because the government's not really advertising them. Or you've lived in your house for years, and now you're forced to move because of the criminal element. Mm-hmm. To me, that's we're not doing that. I'm not going to put bars up on my window because I'm afraid of the criminal. Well, and you shouldn't have to. And, and people should be able. The the first thing any government has to do is protect the safety of the people. If you can't do that, then lawlessness prevails. But mm-hmm. why should we expect the government to do when they allow 1.7 million my illegal migrants to stream across the southern border? Mm-hmm. And we're going to reward them for that with $450,000? Yeah. I don't think so. So let's talk Russia. Russia. <laughs> um, so how bad would it be if Russia does invade Ukraine? Well, ru- okay. Can we just mind our own business? Like, Okay, here's the point. There is no treaty obligation with Ukraine. Okay. It's just like Taiwan. There's no formal agreement that... We, if they China attacks, we're going to go to their defense. Yeah. There's nothing like that. Okay. But what it sets a precedent that if we allow 
Vladimir Putin to invade a sovereign country, Ukraine, then what does China do when it comes to Taiwan? Now, what people need to understand is how we see Ukraine is different than how Russia sees Ukraine. Mm -hmm. And Vladimir Putin wrote an article in July this year, July 2021, and it was called, I think it was called the Historical Unity between Russia, Russian and Ukrainian people. Mm-hmm. And I read it and it goes back centuries. But what he in the very first part, the very first paragraph or two, he looks at Russia and the Ukrainian people as one. Okay. So Putin sees Ukraine differently than we see Ukraine, and I'm sure the Ukrainian people look at things differently than how Putin sees it. Because Putin wants to Putin is People keep going, he's a KGB. He was KJB. Yeah, but he was like admin KGB. No, but whatever the reason, he was a KGB. I don't know if he was admin, but he was in KGB. He was admin. Okay, but the point is this. He looks at Russia. Oh, excuse me. He looks at the Soviet Union as another name for Russia. Mm -hmm. He felt that Russia was humiliated after the end of the Cold War. Okay, so... They lost all this territory that they've gained over the centuries. Now, there was a hidden agreement, at least in his mind, that when they broke up the... Let me say say this. When they reunified Germany and the Eastern Bloc countries were allowed to go their own direction, Mm -hmm. that an agreement was verbal agreement between Bush... And I believe it was uh, Mikhail Gorbachev at the time mm-hmm. that NATO would not expand um, westward toward, I mean, excuse me, eastward toward the Russian border. Actually, I remember doing a NATO exercise where we're trying to get Ukraine a bit, or was it Romania or Ukraine? We're like, hey, come on, join us. Okay, but going back to that, there was that. He said there was a formal verbal agreement between Bush Sr. Mm-hmm. and Mikhail Gorbachev that. NATO would not expand eastward toward the Russian border. Mm-hmm. And when they expanded under Clinton and then under Bush Jr., they got the Baltic states, they got many other the, the Eastern, Eastern European countries and others to join NATO, they looked like that we violated that agreement. But everybody who was there said there was no formal agreement yeah. that stated that. So Putin looks at things differently. Now, if he's allowed to do this, what is China going to do with Taiwan and other areas? Now, the other problem and is— And are they doing this because of the, our president? Well, a lot of it is some of the military and national security experts are believing they're poking, they're poking the bear. They want to see where they can go. Mm-hmm. And China's watching this. And the reason I say that, because in, remember in 2008 when George Bush Jr. was president— Russia invaded Georgia. Okay. And the United States, you know, get a lot of fl- uh, rhetoric, and we didn't do anything. What could we do? Well, there's extreme sanctions we could do. We could, I mean, one is limit, take Russia out of the, the international financial system. Okay. Yeah. And then the other thing is, like, from a Ukraine standpoint, can't go back to, to Georgia we can send offensive weapons like the Javelin missile. Mm-hmm. We can make sure that when Russia, if Russia does invade, they're going to lose some bodies that are going to go back to Russia. Yeah. 
Okay, so they saw what happened in Georgia in 08. Then they saw what happened in 2013 when Russia issued a red mixture Russia, when Obama issued a red line that if Syria uses chemical weapons or moves it, that would be a game changer. And they did. And they did. And he and did nothing. He did nothing. And then Russia in 2014 went into Crimea. And what did we do? We huffed and puffed and we did nothing. Yeah. So and Biden was part of that. Mm-hmm. And Putin is looking at that like everybody goes, well, Biden you know, really told them what he's going to do. It's, it's not words that are going to matter. It's deeds. They're looking at what happened in Afghanistan. He took the sanctions off of the Nord Stream 2 pipeline from Russia to Germany. He's really hasn't been like, look what happened to the cyber attacks yeah. from Russia, um, Russian individuals inside Russia against the Americans. So are, we're basically going to be Russia's bitch if we don't do anything about this. And the world is going to look at this. Iran is watching and China's watching. So and if you look at our national security leadership, but look what's going on in Taiwan. Ty, right now, China does overflights. They're they're in Taiwanese um, waters. Mm-hmm. Now, as much as people, I know people are going to get mad at me when I say this, as much as people bemoan or hated Donald Trump, they didn't do this under him because, like, for take Russia, for instance. Russia, Trump put sanctions on Russia, mm-hmm. very crippling sanctions. I know people talk about, he said he was, he talks nice to Russia openly, mm-hmm. but you got to look what he does behind the scenes. Yeah. And if you read his book, Donald Trump, I can't think of the name of the book right offhand. His business book, he he, he talks openly, positively about it because he wants to give you a safe phasing way out. Yeah. Now, look what he did to Russia and Syria. Russian mercenaries were there, and he killed 500 Russian mercenaries. Trump did? Trump did. Okay, cool. And Putin didn't do anything because he didn't know what Trump was going to do next. Mm-hmm. Trump, <laughs> but they also witnessed what Trump did with killing al-Baghdadi and killing Qasem Soleimani. Remember when they killed Qasem Soleimani, everybody, including President Biden, said, that's going to take us into war. It didn't. It showed the Iranian people, but it also showed the Taliban, don't mess with us yeah. or we're going to stomp you into the dirt. Now you take Joe Biden. He can say, people need to understand, it's not the way you see it. It's the way they see it. Because even when Obama was president, he kept saying, well, if I was President Putin, I would do this. Well, you're not President Putin, and he sees the world differently than the way you see it. Mm -hmm. So we got to understand that, and President Biden needs to understand that. Okay, so I'm pretty sure we're going to be... With you know, on the watching this for a couple of weeks, so we'll be talking about this more. So, no, more in depth, yeah. So, how do they get a hold of us, John? You can get a hold of us. I do check it. It's go to Ubaldi Reports at gmail.com, Ubaldi Reports at gmail.com. Go to Ubaldi Reports group on Facebook. You can check Ubaldi Reports on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And obviously, we're on, um, TikTok, so let it, let your friends know, especially on TikTok and others, let your friends know about this, and we would love to hear your questions because next week we're going to, Joe will explain what's going to happen on next week's show. Okay. But also, I mean, 
If you guys want to interact with the show or even be a part of the show, we would like to have you as part of the show. We can go ahead and message us. We'll send you a Zoom link and we'll you know, we'll chat it up a little bit. Also, you can get us on TikTok and we are going to be going like a we're going to have like a better live version of what's going on here cuz we want to kind of hit all platforms and we just kind of want you guys to go through TikTok to kind of interact with the show and then you'll just be on the show with us. So, you know, we'll look forward to that. It should be in a couple of weeks, probably uh, looking at the new year when they're going to kick that in full gear. And with all that, you know, guys, everybody have a good day. Yeah, have a good day and keep listening to Ubaldi Reports and let your friends and family know about Ubaldi Reports. Stop. Stop.